Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So it's world's toughest mutters. It's tough mutters. They put on the obstacle course races all over. And this one is a 24-hour race. It's a five-mile loop. You do as many times as you can. I did it last year, and it was in Las Vegas on Lake Las Vegas. So they are getting you in and out of water. What time of year was that? It was November. So it starts off, and like they just did it this year. This year was in Atlanta, uh, right outside of Atlanta. They moved it. I think it had been in Vegas for six years. But I, so it starts out and it's really hot and you are in the desert. But if you aren't in a, some type of wetsuit cover by the time night falls, most people will end up with hypothermia, something like that. You're running a good portion of it in a wetsuit and you are just doing a five mile loop over and over. And they kind of start rolling on how they open up the obstacles. So the first couple of loops, you're just running. Then you have a little pit that you can come in, have a pit crew. They'll give you, you know, whatever your fuel is. And then you have to come in and make some changes. But uh, it's 24 hours, and it's, it's one of the hardest things I ever did. I'm Taylor Simmerville, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast today. This episode is brought to you by Waypoint TV. Waypoint TV has so much cool stuff on there and more and more being added every single day. Recently, they started doing written content, blog articles, how-tos, putting a whole how-to section up there with videos and all kinds of cool stuff. Go to waypointtv.com and check it out in addition to the 70-plus producers with over... 2,000 episodes on Waypoint TV. Now there's written content. You can see so much stuff, learn a bunch of stuff. As far as what we've got going on at around here, we've got a, a bunch of new blog articles that have come out on saltwaterexperience.com. We've been updating the IGTV, Instagram TV, 
and putting some stuff up there. People seem to like knots, entire shows, parts of shows, other little pieces of educational content, playing around with Instagram TV. I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. I think that it, it can be pretty cool. We we did have one video that really took off there. So I see that there's some potential that a lot of people are watching that way. So we're going to start putting some other stuff up there. If you've got suggestions of stuff that you'd like to see on our Instagram TV, man, send me a pod, send me a email at podcast at saltwaterexperience.com. Let me know what you think. Today's episode, very, very interesting episode. I don't know, maybe about maybe about four years ago. I kind of came across a, let's just say it's a, it's a method of breathing and it's called the Wim Hof method. And if you don't know who Wim Hof is, Wim Hof is a, is a guy that he's really an incredible guy. And when you first hear him speak, if you don't know much about him, he almost sounds like a crazy man because he's making all these claims about the way that his, uh, his breathing technique and exposure to cold has affected his body. Turns out that everything that he says has been backed by science. This guy's been studied by virtually everyone that would be interested in this type of research. You know, when I learned that, I started learning more about him and what he's been able to accomplish and how he's been able to affect his own body, doing things like affecting his autonomic immune system. So he one time got injected with E. coli bacteria and then suppressed this response from his body through his breathing, this particular method that he has. In addition to that, there's cold exposure involved in this. And I've been doing this for about four years. My wife thinks it's so weird. So do a lot of my friends. But that's really the key to the whole thing. I try a lot of different things and some work and some don't. I keep what works. I throw away what doesn't. And this is one that despite how weird it looks, how weird it sounds, I have experienced tremendous benefits from both on a physical side and a mental side. Really, really big benefits. And I start every day. Most most every day I start with the Wim Hof method. Because I've had such good experience with this one particular breathing method, I have researched more and more breathing methods. And that led me to find today's guest. Because one of the people that are proponents of of incorporating breathing into your daily routine, into your training, is one of the most famous and best big wave surfers in the world, Laird Hamilton. Laird is very accomplished. He's also just a little bit older than me. And if you've ever seen the guy, he in his 50s, he is in remarkable condition. And he is able to do things that people much younger than him have a lot of trouble with or find it impossible. And Laird has been able to uh, keep his body healthy and maintain his fitness and his mobility and his ability to surf these big waves much longer than anyone would, would expect. And he does it through nutrition and a certain workout protocol that he has and incorporating this breathing and some mobility and other things that he does. And uh, he has allowed people to participate in this through this, through this uh, program that he has called XPT with his wife, Gabby Reese, and also Brian McKenzie. 
And so I learned about this and found it interesting and kind of looked at what they were doing and followed the XPT website and just kind of learning, learning a few things here and there. And they announced one time that they had just had this coaching seminar where they uh, certified some coaches. And one of the first ones, the coach of the month, was our guest today. And uh, his name is Taylor Somerville. And so I looked at Taylor and and his looked him up and turns out he's in the South. So I thought, well, maybe there's an opportunity that I could uh, could hook up with Taylor, maybe train with him, learn some stuff, uh, because I've tried to get to some of these XPT seminars and they're either in Hawaii or California or Montauk and just haven't been able to make it work with my schedule. Uh, so I thought maybe I could hook up with with Taylor. And when when I first made contact, I uh, had a great conversation with Taylor. Turns out we have a lot of things in common. He he and I both went to the University of Alabama. And as we started talking, Duck Key came up. And Taylor has spent a lot of time on Duck Key as a kid, which really piqued my interest. It turns out that he's related to none other than the most famous or possibly the most accomplished guide families, respected guide families of, of all time anywhere in the world. And that is Steve Huff and his son, Dustin Chad. And so I guess he's their, their cousin, went down there, fished with him, fished with them growing up. So he's familiar with, with the fishing and what we're doing out there and how some of these techniques might be able to help us in a daily guide trip or in, you know, if you're super nervous about catching your first bonefish or permit or tarpon, a lot of people talk about their knees knocking and heart rate going through the roof. Well, Taylor's going to give us some some uh, some ideas on how to how to uh, handle that. And uh, in addition to that, Taylor also has um, done some other seminars with people that I'm very interested in. One being Chris Henshaw's aerobic capacity, and another a deeper look into breath work through something called the art of breath. Uh, he's been to all of those, so I've been very interested in learning from him. And, um, you know, today we uh, we get to catch up with, with Taylor and learn about just about what his, what his uh, journey has been here, because he, he didn't just always start out as a, you know, breathing coach or a, or a uh, person that really is into fitness. He may have always been into fitness, but he had a different career. He had a different career path, and for many different reasons that we'll learn, that changed, and he decided to devote his life to this. I'm glad he did, because I've already learned a ton from Taylor, and look forward to learning a whole bunch more. So stick around for a great conversation with XPT coach and all-around cool guy, Taylor Somerville. Taylor, how's it going? Good. How you doing, Tom? Man, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm really excited to talk to you because I've been following you on Instagram. And I, I think, I'm not sure exactly how I came across your Instagram profile the first time. I think it was from a from a post. I know it was. It was from a post from XPT where you had received some kind of coach of the month award or some yeah. some kind of a coaching award. And, and I noticed that you were, you know, from the Southeast. So then I started checking out what, what you were doing because I've been really interested in the XPT thing. Then the more that I dug into what you do, 
I got even more interested because a couple of the other things that I'm very interested in are the art of, art of breath and also mm-hmm. aerobic capacity. And I noticed that you had been to to different seminars or, or uh, actually maybe even more than that uh, at both of those things. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And so uh, how, thank how you long for have you been me on? Oh, yeah, man. I, I'm really interested in talking to you because the breath work for me over the last four years has been really, I don't really need to know how to, how to describe it. It's been profound in my life and something that, you know, I try a lot of different things. I mean, mm-hmm. like, like the Bruce Lee philosophy of, of uh, you know, keep your, keep your thinking flexible and, and yep. throw out what doesn't work and keep what does. And well, so over the, over the years, I, I've tried a lot of different things. I keep small pieces of them into my daily, into my daily activities or, or rituals or the way I start the day or finish the day or whatever. But a lot of it just kind of goes away. I just find that it's yeah. not really working for me that much. Move on to something else. But the breath work has been something that has been incredibly helpful in so many ways. And so I want to find out, you know, what, what all you're doing as you're teaching this. And I want to find out what you're doing that might be different than than what I'm doing, and maybe start incorporating that. But but before we even get there, I wanted to just learn a little bit more about about you because it it appears that you were doing something else and then moved on and and changed your whole career. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So I was in the investment business for 15 years. Uh, the last 10 or 11. I was uh, at a commodity trading company, worked on the macroeconomic side, uh, trading interest rates and helping the company with the the macro, our chief economist with a big picture of what was going on. So I was very much uh, high stress, constant movement of, you know, mental work uh, problems. But I was sitting at a desk from six o'clock in the morning till, you know, five o'clock at night. Uh, and that after a while kind of wears on you. And about four years ago, I went through a divorce. And so I started going through a lot of life introspection. Uh, what's, you know, kind of, what am I doing? I, you know, have life plans just kind of turned upside down. So I just start looking at everything I was doing. And that's when I started with the breath work started kind of just regular meditation, mindfulness practices. And then I fell into uh, just, you know, the whole host of techniques from Mark Devine and uh, Seal Fit and box breathing to the Wim Hof method. And then I heard um, Laird Hamilton and Gabrielle Reese and Brian McKenzie at the time, they were who all started XPT together on a Tim Ferriss podcast that would have been probably around the same time. Mm-hmm. And so I really, you know, just hearing their philosophies, I really started following them and getting into a lot more deeper areas of the breath work, uh, just doing it a lot more, just kind of looking up techniques, uh, you know, doing them, uh, going to classes. Uh, started delving into the ice baths um, as much as I could. And yeah, as I was just doing all this, it changed kind of how I approach situations. I was always 
you know, pretty anxious, could have some anger issues, you know, and I realized that and doing all these techniques that kind of slowed my mind down and slowed my reaction function where I would respond instead of react instead of just flying off the handle, just realize, you know, maybe this is not as big of a deal as it was and started just really delving into all those techniques. And as I'm doing all this, I kind of realized, you know, I don't, don't really want to be doing the investment stuff anymore that I was just, I needed to get out and get more physically active and really uh, enjoyed learning all this stuff and kind of wanted to, to spread what I was doing. I had decided uh, probably over a year before I quit my job. So I quit uh, October of 2017 and about a year before I knew I was going to do something else. wasn't sure what I uh, started writing a blog and newsletter kind of, the whole mindful approach, things that I did, morning routine, kind of just talking about stuff that had helped me, fitness, nutrition. And then I went to my first XVT experience. And in that, you go to Blair and Gabby's house. And there were 20 people, all type A, kind of <laughs> high performing in their fields of, you know, finance, doctors, lawyers, some pro athletes. And you really get thrown into the mix. You know, they start you out with probably about a 45-minute breath session right out of the gate, which I've never done one that long and been in a group setting like that. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, wow, this is just extremely powerful right after that. And then you get into the pool workouts and with the dumbbells underwater, really learning how to use your breath to slow your mind down. And then the ice. And then the ice experience there was a lot colder than any that I'd ever done. And in that fact, you really see, wow, just by slowing my inhales and exhales down, you know, using my diaphragm, breathing through my nose, it can totally change my state of mind even quicker than I thought I could. So, and that, as doing that, I, I was like, I got to stay involved with these guys. I want to, you know, keep in touch. And so I was kind of trying to plan my transition. They had some transitions. They've decided to, you know, they got PJ Nestler to come in, the director of performance, and he, basically took all the stuff they had been doing for decades with their friends and self and experimentation and got the science behind everything, worked with different science and scientific advisors, Kelly Starrett to Andy Galpin and uh, Patrick McKeon. They kind of built a certification program and they asked me to be a part of the first group that got certified uh, earlier this year. So I went and did that. And then from there, I've just kind of broken off and, you know, I did the art of breath after that, which is a lot, it's very similar, but I'd say it's a little more athletic performance driven mm. to some extent. Um, and going through that, I, you know, started teaching classes here in Memphis, uh, started my company this summer. Uh, it's called Symmetry, which is basically my philosophy mission is helping people deal with stress, realizing that you know, we have there's a good stress and a bad stress. The chronic stress we have in life is not helpful and that you have to learn to downregulate. You have to learn to, you know, you can't just be going from the job to the gym, you know, to the family life and just never sit down and take a little time for yourself. So just some simple techniques after your workouts to kind of kickstart your recovery, helping people with that and helping uh, go into businesses and help help them with stress management, teach classes at yoga studios, gyms, a lot with the heat and the ice and uh, just the breath classes. And then 
do some one-on-one work with people as well, uh, helping them build, uh, building them programs for kind of whatever they're, you know, some people it's stress, some yeah. people it's, you know, they want to climb Mount Everest. So it's kind of a whole host of things. Yeah. I find it kind of interesting that, that it seems like from what you're saying, and maybe this is the case and maybe it's not, but it seems like you kind of came into all of these different techniques and this, this, uh, the breath work really as a stress, as a stress reliever. It's interesting for me. I found all of this stuff on a very similar path. I did um, seal fit Kokoro and was, was following the seal fit program for, for a long time and, and kind of found the box breathing and was incorporating that. It was good and great for, for a number of, of things, stress being one of them, just to kind of, and, and when you're doing that seal fit Kokoro, he instructs you many times, you know, to, to use your breath because you've got mm-hmm. this, this giant challenge is in front of you. And it was, it was excellent for that. And he would stop the class down and we would do different, different breath things. So I was very interested in it from that point of view, but for me, it was almost more like it was a physical it was a physical thing at first. Like I found that it helped my recovery. It helped me prepare for workouts. It helped me to, to kind of get my mind right a little bit, Yeah. but, but it was more physical until I started doing it for about a year. And then I realized, oh, well, while I'm getting physical benefits from this, way the mental, more mental. mental side. Yeah. Like way more mental. Um, yeah. Although I have had some really, remarkable success on a physical side that is measurable. And uh, so I want to talk to you about that too, but the, that's definitely, uh, you know, I came at it from the stress and mental side and then incorporated it in all the physical stuff that I'm doing. Yeah. And uh, I almost, like, I almost last, did it. The, the it opposite. Was kind of the opposite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, so last year I trained for, I did the world's toughest mutter, which is a 24 hour obstacle course race. Mm-hmm. And I used a lot of the breath stuff in my training, getting ready to work out, getting ready for my runs, so nasal breathing on all my let's, long let's runs. Let's talk about that. Like what, like what that. does that look like? Uh, like as you're, as you're using breath work to get ready, let's just go through in order of what you just said there. Like you're using breath work to get ready for your workouts. What kind of what kind of work are you doing when you're? So I would do just uh, some simple techniques to kind of activate my diaphragm, making sure I'm breathing in through my nose. Using breathing horizontally as opposed to vertically. So then when I do have stressful workouts and I have to start breathing through my mouth, I'm not breathing into the upper chest, which keeps you more stress and taxes your neck and your shoulders and all the your secondary muscles that don't really need to be involved as much with breathing. Uh, and that's one of the troubles that a lot of people have. So I do, you know, I might start out and do just some box breathing before workout. And then when I'm doing my warmups, just focusing on nasal breathing in through the nose, out through the nose. And as I pick up intensity, inhaling in through the nose, exhaling in through the mouth, and just to blow off a little more CO2. And then if it gets real hard, you know, I have to go mouth, mouth, but trying to keep it, you know, all the long distance stuff that I would do, my two, four hour long training runs, I would do them all nasal hmm. pretty much. Just so that helps keep your heart rate under control. And what it really does is it teaches your body to more efficiently use oxygen. Helps build us your CO2 tolerance, which is how your body uses oxygen is relative to how much you can tolerate CO2 hmm. effectively. 
because CO2 is what offloads the oxygen from your blood cell, from your red blood cells into your body. And so most people don't really understand that. They think it's, you know, just breathing in oxygen. So it's really this relationship between the two. And so, you know, using that and then some uh, techniques to do, like when I get done, would get done with working out, which is a simple one is inhaling for three or four seconds, exhaling for six to eight all through your nose. Like kind of after, as you slow down, laying on your back. And when you can double that exhale to inhale, it's really good at in dropping your heart rate and kind of kicking in that parasympathetic state and allowing you to rat, relax and recover. And so, I, you know, doing techniques like that and then using the ice and the heat weekly to help me recover on, on my rest days. And when you're using the, the ice and the heat, like, you know, one of the graduating steps that I that I took from the box breathing and the seal fit techniques then I later read the the Oxygen Edge by McEwen, which you mm-hmm. um, had mentioned earlier, and incorporated a bunch of his things, including th- ma- making my wife think I'm completely crazy by taping my mouth shut. Oh, oh I, I did that to- too. <laughs> yeah, she's like, what are you doing? Oh, my God, this is so bizarre. And it's actually it's one of the best things you can ever do once you get over <laughs> the craziness of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, I still haven't convinced her yet. but. It is definitely a little weird, and and that more than a few times I've woken up thinking that somebody is is trying to kill me, in in my sleep, um, which isn't always a great feeling. But I, I I definitely went down that whole path of you know trying to you know do things like the assault bike and doing doing lower. I think the assault bike was like too much, like doing yeah, sprints you, you, on the assault bike. It 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 was quickly quickly I I, I was over my capacity of nose breathing, but doing other things and, 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 uh, and staying with the nose breathing as long as, as possible mm-hmm. and, and got some great, um, benefits to that. But as I, as I got more into the breath work, then I discovered Wim Hof's work. And for me, like I've known that there's great value in meditation and I've known that there is great value in just quiet time. Call it what you want. Call call it, you know, clearing your head. Some people call it meditation. Some people just, just focusing on, on something. In yoga, they focus on the breath, which I think your input would be interesting here. But I think as you focus on the breath, basically you're focusing on that one thing that you can control and other things just kind of fade away. And you, you just kind of get into this, into this mindset of, of, Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's a clearing of the head. Maybe it's just focusing on one thing. But for whatever reason, you get in this place where you're not really thinking about other things and and you're very comfortable. For me, I've tried all of those things and um, or many of those things. I wouldn't say all of them, but I've tried a lot of different techniques for clearing the head, for mindfulness, for meditation. And... <laughs> You know, it's like, huh, what what am I going to eat after this? You know, what all kinds of things creep in. You know, I'm doing good for oh, yeah. for a little bit, and then it's kind of like, oh, I probably need to make that phone call later, or or you know, oh, I wonder what I wonder what my wife's doing now. <laughs> you know, whatever, something creeps in there, and then I started that Wim Hof breathing without any question uh, on the first time that I tried it. I was like, wow, that. I'm pretty sure that's what people are talking about 
when they're talking about this meditation and when they're talking about clearing your head and when they're talking about a quiet mind. And for whatever yeah. reason, that just worked incredibly well for me. So I started doing it daily. Every morning, I started doing that. And I've been doing it for like four years. And nice. I start that. I start my day out with that. I, I get up, I go down. And for those that may not know what the Wim Hof method is, it's basically 30 to 50 really deep breaths and com with complete exhale. And then at the very end, you're going to take one really deep breath and you're going to exhale completely and fully and then hold that with hold that breath out with no air in your lungs. And after doing this, this 30 to 50 breaths, depending on how you feel on that day, you can hold your breath for a tremendously long time. I mean, like a scary amount of time. Sometimes yeah. it's, sometimes it's two minutes. Sometimes it's three minutes. Sometimes it's only a minute, depending on all the different factors that's going on in your life. I even find that whether I've eaten or just had a lot of uh, water to drink or something can affect the breath hold. Then you, you hold as long as you can. And then you take one big deep breath in, you hold that for a while. And, uh, and then you start the process over and you do that for three or four rounds. And then I'll do, uh, another round of breathing. And then on a full breath, I'll do as many push-ups as I can. And yeah, then, you do the push-up aspect of it. That's yeah, good. yeah. So that's how I'm warming up for every workout, and um, I do that in the morning uh, right away, and and then I do I hit my workout, and um, over time, I had some really crazy things happen. First of all, I haven't been sick for years, and that is one of the things that Wim Hof believes is happening is that you're you're influencing your autonomic immune yeah. system and uh and and kind of protecting yourself from getting sick i don't know what i don't know if that's true or not but i know that i hadn't been sick in four years and uh i feel great and then on a physical like a measurable physical thing i do this 100 burpee workout where you'll just do 100 burpees for time as fast as you possibly can and the burpees are the same every time so you can kind of figure you, you know, you're doing exactly the same thing. So you're a burpee. You're going to drop down to the ground, touch your chest, come back up, jump and clap overhead. The jump is like on something like this. It's just, just enough to get your feet off the ground. You're not really yeah, barely jumping on, on tire. Sometimes I'll do it onto a tire or onto some weights or, or something that you can that measure. That makes it a little more difficult. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Absolutely. But, yeah. but the point is, is that you, you find something that you can, you can repeat every single time. And then, you can kind of judge yourself based upon that time. If you're doing it exactly the same this month as you are, as you did three months ago, did you do it faster or slower? Or, you know, where are you? So I, I had this long period of basically no improvement. I got it down to like, you know, in the, in the five high fives. And then I started doing this breathing. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere... And I had been doing this since, I mean, I'm, I'm keeping record of this. I'm looking at the chart right now, since 2009. Now we're talking about almost 10 years that I've been, been doing that particular workout every now and then, not that much, but I've got like 20, 20 results. And there's been a slight improvement until I started doing that breathing. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my performance improved drastically and I dropped almost a minute off of that time. 
Oh, that's great. And so, and nothing else changed except incorporating the breathing into, into, uh, into my daily routine. And so when I saw that, I was like, wow. Okay. So on a physical side, this is doing more than I thought. And on a mental Mm -hmm. side, it's definitely helping. And, uh, so I just stuck with it and I'm interested in, in doing some other types of, of breath work as well to, to maybe help with anything. I mean, I've seen a couple of things that you were, that you were talking about on an incredibly simplistic level. You had that thing on your Instagram where you, you, you traced your hand. The, uh, that's just a great, great little stress management tool and something that's it's easy to teach kids with just, you know, it's five, it's called take five and you just tracing your hand, starting at your wrist, inhaling through your nose out to the tip of your thumb exhaling all the way back and you just trace out all your fingers like that. And within those five breaths, you can watch as your mind slows down and the stress that you had or anxiety, whatever you're worried about kind of just will slowly go away. So then it takes a little practice getting used to, but it's just taking that time to be aware of how you're breathing it and your brain and your breath. I mean, a lot of people say at the hard breath, they say the, uh, your brain is the, or your breath is the remote control to your brain. Hmm. And that is so true because what you, when you're, when you go into the fight or flight, the sympathetic overdrive, typically you're breathing in your mouth, in your upper chest, you know, rapidly big, you know, just awful mouth breathing. And as you slow that down with nasal inhales and exhales, you start activating the diaphragm. And when you slow your breath, your brain says everything's okay. It's right. all okay. And, and your you're brain will actually start getting like a para down. a parasympathetic response. And you'll start dropping, you'll start, yeah, you'll start dropping into a parasympathetic response and everything will kind of slowly go away. And like Stanford's doing a lot of research on this. The Huberman Labs, Brian McKenzie and, the, and Andrew Huberman, they've been doing a lot of research on different breathing protocols and stress and anxiety and uh, stuff to kind of help you get prepared for meetings, stuff to kind of tone you down. Everybody's somewhat different, uh, so they react a little different to each protocol. So you have to kind of figure out what works best for you. But it's, it's you know, it's kind of amazing just some of the things that you can do. And it's, you know, with little as five minutes of practice a day, really. Yeah, yeah. And starting out with five minutes in the morning. And what I tell most people who are interested in starting is is starting with the box breath. I think that is... One of the most basic. And so explain, get, explain that for people yeah, that don't know. It is Mark Devine popularized it with seal fit. Uh, it's a technique he says they use in the Navy SEALs. And it's basically you have the four corners of the breath. You have an inhale, a hold, an exhale, and a hold. And in box breathing, you're breathing into an equal ratio of those corners just like you would a box. So typically most people start with three seconds. So you'll inhale through your nose for three seconds, hold for three seconds, exhale for three seconds, hold for three seconds and set a timer five minutes and just continually do that. And when, what you find too is people who have a lot of anxiety or can get really stressed out, they will get stressed out with the holds. And as the CO2 starts building, they have a lower CO2 tolerance. And as that starts building in their mind, their brains kind of start freaking out. And so they will have a little more stress response to that. And, but as you continually do it, your body gets a little less stressful in nature 
anxious and just kind of drops into it and you have somewhat of that mindfulness approach and you go from three seconds to four seconds to five to you know up to ten and when you do that you know you just really slow your brain down and really are able to just kind of relax and it's a great way to get centered for the day and to just kind of explore your nervous system to some extent and see okay why why is this freaking me out a little bit mm-hmm. when all i'm doing is laying here breathing i can all you know honest i can just breathe regularly whenever i want to but there's this something that's going on so kind of like exploring those that little part of your mind and help figuring it out and it's and as you do some of this breath work you will have things come up that you you know your body holds a lot of stress and tension and and your nervous system and those things will start to come out i've seen rather large men cry you know doing some of this stuff yeah so it's just uh, you have flashbacks to child you know it's kind of it's pretty wild if you do a really really long session with a lot yeah. of people and you get you know involve some chanting and humming it's, it can get pretty pretty intense yeah i bet it can i haven't had that experience where nothing nothing bad has come up it's only been it's only been incredibly relaxing putting yeah, me in this incredibly uh blissful state almost i mean almost like you, that's the way it is you with hear, me too. you hear it's like euphoria. people talking about yeah it's a, it's a euphoria it's almost like when you hear people talking about their experience with drugs or whatever and they're they're trying to describe it and it's like well you don't even need that like i can do that in five minutes like getting high on your own supply yeah it just doesn't it doesn't last very long but it's yeah it's there. So one of the things, like a lot of the people that listen to this particular podcast are outdoors people. Um, and the first time, the first time that we made contact, I was interested in, in this mobile sauna, the fire and ice thing that you have, because I'm in the middle of building my sauna and, uh, and it's something that I, I, I really like, I like the sauna. Um, and then I like the ice as well. And so I wanted to see what you were doing to kind of put these together. And so I made contact with you and you have this mobile sauna, like a barrel sauna on a trailer. And mm-hmm. and then you have the ice baths and you take that to different places and like CrossFit gyms or businesses or wh- wherever you're, you're going yoga studios and, and, ex- you know, let, let people kind of experience this. So I was interested in maybe having you come over do some sort of a course with me and my guys. And as we first started talking, I don't know, even know how it came up, but you were like, Oh, you, you, you spend some time in Florida. And I was like, yeah, yeah. A lot of time in Florida. He's like, you, you know, you know, the duck key area I used to, I used to, I grew up in duck key or I spent a lot of time there. And as we, I'm like, okay, that's cool. And yeah. I used to do some fishing down there. And then I'm thinking, well, that's, that's weird of all the places that you would say that you were doing fishing. <laughs> like why would, would like duck key. That's interesting. So do you have a connection with Hawks K and you're like, no, no, I got some, I got some uh, family members that are, that, that are guides down there. So I'm like, okay, guide on duck key. Chances are, I probably know who the, who they are and a little more digging, a little more digging. And I, it comes out that, that you're related to the Huffs. And you grew up going down there fishing with, with Steve Huff and his sons, Dustin, and, and you're still in, you know, going down there, right? And fishing. I 
haven't I haven't been down there in years, but I grew up so my grandfather, uh, Crawford Adams, I think he might have had the first plot of land on Ducky. He was one of the first houses and built in the 70s. So he was uh, he was down there. We would go visit him. And then Steve married my mom's oldest sister and Chad and Dustin were around. And so we all, you know, going down there, grew up just fishing Fishing with them and fishing with the family on Duck Key, loved it. I had spent years since I've been back down there. Keep uh, wanting to go down there and go visit again. I probably hadn't been in uh, ten years yeah. uh, fishing down there, wow. but it's uh, it was a great place. I loved going there my whole life, and hope to get back there sometime soon. Yeah. Well, as you know, people tell me a, a lot of times. Oh, I used to go down there and go fishing. I'm thinking, oh, that's that's kind of cool, and and then. Uh, yeah, we we used to go bone fishing. I'm thinking, oh, oh yeah, really. But then, then as you put it together and you realize that that you were fishing with Steve Huff, um, you definitely were. <laughs> you, <laughs> you were you were definitely doing it right. Um, yeah, the man's a, a complete legend, and his boys are are also doing incredibly well. Yeah, they're doing well now. But the funny thing about the fishing and and talking about this because we have like spear fishermen and people that like to lobster and people that like to do all oh, yeah. all these other things, uh, fishing in tournaments, fishing in sit- different situations, and like as I got into this breath work, I started to to um, to use it like on the water. Like there are a I lot of times yeah. where you know, let's just say you've never caught a bonefish before and you've built this thing up in your head of, of this giant thing. And you, you hear people talk about it all the time. Oh, the, you know, a permit showed up or a bonefish showed up or tarpon or whatever it may be, blue marlin. And my knees just started knocking and, you know, I couldn't even cast. And I got so nervous that I just started breathing really heavy. And I've, I've certainly had that happen like lots of times where you want to catch this fish so badly, or maybe it's a, it's a deer and you know, you want to, you've been practicing your archery and this, we're right in the middle of, 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 uh, archery season right now. Yeah. You're practicing and practicing and practicing, and you can do this really with your eyes closed in your driveway at 30 yards, but then you're out there and it's a little colder. And then here's the one that you're looking for. Next thing you know, your heart is just racing and, it's this stress response and it's the same kind of stress yep. response that people are getting from uh, when they see a number pop up on their, on their phone and they know it's their boss or it's some, you know, they're a salesman and they know it's somebody that they really don't want to talk to. And then here, here's this, uh, this, this response of just this, this overwhelming fight or flight. Like you're talking about all of a sudden your breath goes super shallow. You're, you're freaking out. And you are never going to respond very well in that situation. So, like, in that situation, how do you, what would you suggest for people to do that, that find themselves in that situation? I mean, on a, on a fun side of it, like when you want to catch this fish so bad, the tournament's yeah. riding on it, or you're just out there fishing or whatever, or, like, in a business side like when they see that number pop up on their phone and they just immediately go, Oh boy, this is not going to be good. Matt it's to, like I've said, slow those inhales and exhales down as much as you can focus on breathing into the nose, try to inhale for four seconds, pause for a second, exhale for you know, six to eight. It's a little longer than you're inhaling. 
and you know give, give five breaths like that you can start slowing down especially if you've been to have a daily practice but if, when you're just starting you know if you can focus on slowing your breathing down and inhaling through the nose not breathing with your mouth you inhale through your nose exhale through your nose and that is the quickest way to slow the mind down start slowing your heart rate down when you really get those exhales to seven eight seconds your heart rate will start slowing down pretty pretty rapidly yeah like that that's one of the things i'll kind of work at, you know we talked about working out when i work out sometimes i'll have different workouts where i'll have a rest period well my rest period will be I've got to drop my heart rate to a certain beat and I'll use my breath and try to drop it, you know, under a hundred beats a minute. If it's a super high intense workout and try to get it to a hundred beats and then I go for round two, kind of, you know, yeah, it's all about cool. slowing those inhales and exhales down and kind of using the breath there is just a variable and then, in training. So, so in that training, the, the whole purpose of that training or, or one application of that training, I guess, is so that when you do have this, response no matter how much you're practicing and no matter how good yeah. at this you get you're still going to have that you still have them <laughs> yeah We're you're all human. All, you're, yeah you're <laughs> that's exactly right you're going to be like oh i forgot i forgot to do this i forgot to do that or you know the the phone call that you're not expecting comes in and uh, you have that moment of panic but what i've found and, and i'm sure or i think that you might agree um is that the more you're practicing and the more that you're incorporating this it's just like anything else. The better you, yep. the better you get at it. And, the easier it gets. Right. And the more you can, you know, it might at first you, you freak out, your heart rate goes sky yep. high and it might take 10 minutes at first when you're first yeah. getting started. Whereas as a practiced person, it might take two breaths. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly the way I look at it. And then, um, then you're able to just look at it like i don't know like your grandmother always told you like just take a deep breath everything will be all right yeah right, that's right. Like, they knew all along it's gonna be all right yeah but it, yeah. but if you can i don't know when you whenever you're you're freaking out whether that's fishing you know and and that fish that you really want to catch shows up or deer hunting or business or whatever the the situation is you're going Come to perform to better. Yeah, but you're going to perform better if you are relaxed and yep. you're not thinking like, this is it. This is, you know, like this is my only chance. Like if no, you just yes. relax and you make that cast like you've made it 100,000 times before, it's, it's not be difficult. Yeah, you'll be fine. No. But if you're, if you're all freaked out and breathing so fast, you're probably going to screw it up even worse than you thought you were going to yeah your your brain's going to start going out of control looking at all the awful scenarios that might happen and uh it you know that's the breathing can help combat that and yeah. it makes it a whole lot easier so have and, you, you know, have you um have you found um good ways to to really um teach a lot of these techniques i know that we've talked about a couple but like I know that you're going around to a lot of different people and like mm -hmm. uh, what I've seen on your, on your website is you're, you're going to athletes and CrossFit gyms and stuff like that. That seems like, that seems like kind of an easy, an easy audience. Like those are people that are already in an environment that they're trying to improve themselves. They've probably seen how mobility and, and, you know, hydration and nutrition have helped them really. And it's really obvious. And so somebody like you comes in there 
okay, so breathing, maybe I can incorporate this. They're probably really open to these techniques, but Mm -hmm. you know, some of these breathing techniques, if you've never seen them before, pretty weird, honestly. I mean, like even my friends that have been working out with me for, for 10 years and they think it's weird. Even, (laughs) you know, even when I'm like, no man, listen, I'm telling you. So yeah, I've done a lot of different things and brought a lot of different things into my group, but this has been one that, that people have been slow to, to jump on the, <laughs> jump on the bandwagon because it's just, especially like the Wim Hof breathing, it's, it's, it's really strange. So I'm just wondering, like when you're going to some of these businesses and maybe people that aren't trained versus the, the CrossFit gyms and yoga studios where you have yeah. kind of a, an accepting open audience there, what's been your, 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 uh, experience like with, with exposing people to these techniques? You know, there's always a couple people who just aren't going to buy into it because that's kind of the way the way the world works. But typically what I do is I'll get start you off with 20 to 30 minutes of breath work, have people lie on their backs and let them experience what's going on, like how you can use the breath to change your mind and, you know, how it just changes your whole body when you see that like deeply relaxed when you when you start somebody for 30 minutes that's never done this before and you had this experience with laird hamilton and gabby reese um do you see people just get up and and are just like blown away and completely in a different a lot of times yeah they some people will get really stressed out throughout the process and i'll tell them going into it that you're going to feel a whole host of sensations you might get really tingly you might feel like you're going to pass out you might get stressed and anxious, you know, and if ever you, it's too much, just resume normal breathing and kind of jump back in whenever you want. Uh, but most of the times by the end of it, they, you know, I'll kind of tell people you can open your eyes and come to. Sometimes it'll be a few minutes before anybody will want to get off the ground. They're just laying there looking at you like, what in the world? How did you just do that? And euphoria. I mean, seriously. Yeah. And in a calm, euphoric state. And some point throughout that journey, they might have been very stressed out because we do some of the long breath holds and people who haven't done the long breath holds, you know, they're shocked at how long they held the breath. At the end of it, I'll tell them how long we you know, did the longest one there. They'll be really shocked by some of the different techniques. You know, I'll incorporate a lot of humming and uh, kind of hissing exhales, different you know techniques that you when you are with a group of people and you hear it. It's, uh, it just makes it the whole vibration. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of an interesting yeah, aspect different, of different it. Different yoga, uh, classes that I've been to over the past have done that, like the humming and the, and the, yeah. And the humming is a great way that, that helps your, you know, so one of the things about breathing through your nose is you release nitric oxide, which helps give you an immune response, but helps also push the oxygen throughout your body and proliferates all, you know, your muscles and humming is one of the ways to also incorporate that which kind of gives it a little extra boost and gives you some more nitric oxide. But you also get that whole body vibration. And when you hear you're with 20 other people doing it, it's, it can get pretty, uh, pretty cool feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's, you know, by the end of it. And so then I'll, I'll go over and after I put them through, uh, an experience, then we will talk about, you know, the science behind it. Like why you need to breathe through your nose, you know, all, all the uh, so benefits of nasal breathing and the problems with chronically breathing through your mouth and how most people, especially in today's society, 
you know, we are, you know, there's a lot of mouth breathers from the way you hold your cell phone, which with a forward help head posture kind of closes your airway, makes people breathe through their mouth, staring at your computer all day long. You know, it's kind of once we, it starts when we're kids and we're, you know, put in schools and we're sitting down all day and we kind of lose a lot of our mobility and movement practices and we lose our breathing capability. So it all is kind of trying to reprogram all that into them. So for somebody uh, that all, didn't know the importance of the, of the nasal breathing, first of all, that, that book by, um, Oh McEwen, yeah. Oxygen, Oxygen Advantage, Advantage is, is, yeah. is a, is a, highly suggested book but give them a give them a little synopsis of of why that's so important so i mean it's the main reason is that's what our nose was made for it cleans and filters out all the air you filter out you know 95 plus percent of uh, pathogens and allergies stuff like that when you breathe through your nose where if you breathe through your mouth you're not filtering any of that out so you also get some immune cell responses that come in and get activated by breathing through your nose. There's just a recent paper out that's kind of interesting. talks about when you breathe through your nose and you have allergens stuff come in, that your immune cells swarm it and attack it. And it's like a, you know, basically like a swarm of bees coming in and attack it where you don't get any of that when you breathe through your mouth. Hmm. It also helps activate your diaphragm, which is much harder to do mouth breathing. Because when you mouth breathe, you typically just breathe into your upper chest. Using your neck and shoulders, like you take, tell people to take a big breath, they're typically going to rise, you know, bring their shoulders up towards their ears, try to expand out their chest. Well, that's the pretty much the exact wrong way to do it. When you when you're taking a big breath, you want to think breathing in general horizontal, not vertical. So you want your you know your chest and your side to expand out in horizontal fashion with you know kind of a three sixty degree barrel of your chest not moving your shoulders and your neck and your traps really not much at all. The other thing it does breathe through your nose, it helps increase your CO2 tolerance. Uh, you know, there's less oxygen coming in and out, uh, but you actually will get about 10 to 20% more oxygen uptake by breathing into your nose because it's the CO2 tolerance has to do with, with what's called the bore effect. And so typically if you're just breathing in through your mouth and out of your mouth, you're breathing in oxygen and breathing out a lot. You're not really utilizing that oxygen properly. So when you use your nose, you have higher CO2 in your body, which will put that, as I explained earlier, kind of helps proliferate it, drops it off the red blood cells into your muscles and keeps it flowing properly. Uh, and that's those are those are some of the main benefits. Um, and when people breathe through their mouth and are overbreathing, breathing so much oxygen, it causes issues with anxiety, asthma insomnia you know lots of headaches cardiovascular issues asthma so it's in it it's one of the easiest ways is to kind of combat that is just by practice of awareness of how you're breathing throughout the day that's another thing i tell people doing classes is you know how are you going out through the day just be aware of how you're breathing when you start to get stressed watch your patterns are you you know are you breathing through with your mouth into your upper chest or are you going to you know, try to breathe through your nose. So just kind of bringing that awareness at first and with the awareness, once people come aware of it, I've found that then they kind of want to look a little bit more into it because they're mm-hmm. like, wow, this, I do see what's going on here. Uh, see it in my everyday life, you know, sitting in my chair, sitting uh, at the computer screen. And so it's, you know, once you go from there, 
that opens up people to want to learn a little bit more. Yeah. And then, so and then I'll kind of, some people work with one-on-one. There's a lot to, you know, a lot of people have mechanical you know, problems. They haven't been using their diaphragm in years. So you can, there's stuff that you can work to get that unstuck and, you know, helps open up your hips and, you know, and the breathing is having a proper breathing pattern and getting that diaphragm working properly really helps you know keep your spine intact helps mm-hmm. just overall mobility uh it's one of the key factors involved in that as well do you think there's anything to when you breathe and you're expanding out your chest and and you're you're filling up your lungs you're doing that with muscles so yeah and they're tiny little muscles but they are muscles nonetheless do you think there's anything to kind of incorporating this breathing and just like working out and getting stronger that you're, you're increasing your respiratory systems effectiveness because you're, you're, you know, everything's getting stronger. Is there anything to that? I've always thought that, but I don't know any science behind it or anything. Yeah. I think, um, there's definitely part of that because your diaphragm is a muscle too. And if it doesn't, if it's not getting any work, it's just going to start atrophying and get stuck. Right, and that's one of the things the Wim Hof does is it really gets all those muscles activated and moving and helps build that up. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I think as, there's as definitely, would, definitely a big aspect. As would just it. cardiovascular exercise. Like you know, yeah. if you're if you don't exercise at all and you never get your heart rate over one fifteen, you're not breathing deeply. Like you're you're just if all you do is is walk, and you never get that response of of, you know, a really deep, you know, a lung burner of a, of a workout. I just don't feel like you're, you're ever getting to the, to the place where you, you're not pushing it. Yeah. And then when you do that regularly, you don't have to stay there very long, but when you're doing that regularly, you're, I I don't know. I always think so much of, of everything. And one of my philosophies on almost everything is use it or lose it. You know, like that's right. You have elasticity in your, in your lungs and your, and your muscles and everything. And if you don't use that, then they're not going to perform for you. And then if you start to use it, then, you know, you're going to be able to do that on demand, like anytime you want to, you can, you can do this, but I don't know. I mean, that's just like, no, I agree with that. Bro science. Totally. But, uh, it just seems like, um, seems like the way, and it seems like I've gotten much stronger, in my respiratory system since I've been doing this. And then therefore I'm more, it's more easy. I'm I'm able to take a deep breath more easily when I need it in the, in the. Yeah. When you need to, in the, in the workout. Right. Like, and one of the things, you know, in the, in the working out, just uh, people who are constant runners or whatever, you know, you're running and you might not be focusing on your breathing. And if you, you still already have that cardiovascular aspect where you're a good runner and you, you know, you can go for days, but then you add this in. I think it gives you an extra gear that you just didn't know you had. Like uh, it, ju- it allows just, you to work harder. Yeah. And lets well, your body, your body more efficiently uses oxygen. And when you can go, I mean, they say you can go up close to 90% of your max heart rate with just nasal only breathing, which I think a lot of, Top athletes probably are 80-ish, but, you know, you can still get up there with nasal-only breathing 
to go pretty hard and you're and then when you have to go and start breathing through your mouth it just gives you an extra gear that most people don't have yeah and you can just keep pushing that's interesting and when and you it read takes, that you know that that takes some work you know when you just start doing this just like any when you start that practice of i'm gonna you know all my runs and just breathe through the nose most people you freak out i mean when i first started doing it the first 400 meters i was like oh man i, I think i'm drowning and and as you you know, as you build on it, it gets easier and easier and your performance will dip for a month and then it'll just come roaring back and you'll be able to run faster than you ever really could imagine. Hmm. Just And you're saying that you were breathing. doing that. Um, and well, let's say on first I was, um, I was thinking about what you were saying. Like I, I started, um, working on that too, on runs and stuff like that. And I noticed that I really needed to you know, slow down. So you might be running a seven, uh, eight minute mile or seven minute mile with the way that you're normally doing it. And when you first start incorporating nasal only breathing, now you're running a nine minute mile and you're like, I hadn't run a nine minute mile since I was kid. Like, like this is really, this is too slow, but not every run is like that. I was doing it like, like one or two a week. And then, you know, just incorporating that nasal breathing and then you know, then going back to regular runs and doing whatever. And I found myself as I, I found myself breathing out of my nose more and more and more often and, and being conscious of it more. And, uh, That's right. and I did see, I did see some big advantages to that. So when you were, um, let's talk about this, this world's toughest mutter, because that's also been something that has been on my, on my bucket list of sorts. Tell, tell people what that is if they don't know. World's toughest mutter. So it's tough mutter. It's they put on the obstacle course races all over. Um, and this one is a 24 hour race. It's a five mile loop. You do as many times as you can. I did it last year and it was in Las Vegas on Lake Las Vegas. So they are, you know, getting you in and out of water. Uh, what time of year was that? Throughout this trip. It was November. So it starts off and it, like they just did it this year. This year was in Atlanta, uh, right outside of Atlanta. Uh, they moved it. I think it had been in Vegas for six years. But right, so it starts out and it's really hot and you are, you know, in the desert. But if you aren't in a some type of wetsuit cover by the time night falls, you know, most people end up with hypothermia, something like that. You're running a good portion of it in a wetsuit uh, and you are just doing a five mile loop over and over. And they kind of start rolling on how they open up the obstacles. So the first couple of loops, you're just running. And then uh, you have a little pit that you can come in, uh, get, you know, have a pit crew. They'll give you, you know, whatever your fuel is. And then you have to come in and make some changes. But uh, it's 24 hours and it's it's one of the hardest things I ever did. And, you know, it, they started us out and you were in and out of water. So once it got cold, you just kind of, you know, you're just wet and cold the whole time. Then they take you up a mountain effectively uh, and then back down and then they get you into all the hard obstacles or at the very end uh, all the real grip intensive strength intensive obstacles so as the night wore on you were just failing those over and over again and they had penalties which would be you know an extra 400 800 meters or you know climbing up and down a little zigzag of a hill so when I did it I did 11 laps uh, it was 55 miles officially and I probably add another five to ten and penalties something like that i would i would assume and it was it was a great experience 
will I ever do it again? I don't know, but I'm glad I did it. And it was a lot of fun. That's cool. The uh, first it was, time it, I it ever... was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of hard work. You know, it was a lot of fun. 55 miles, 55 miles in 24 hours. That's, that's really good when you combine mud and obstacles and cold and penalty laps and, and all of that. So how did you, how did you finish? Did you, uh, what place? Yeah. I don't even, I don't even remember. There's, I mean, that obstacle racing has become like a, a real yeah, like the thing. guy, the guy who won it, they did it. They did 110. They doubled me. Wow. And the cool thing about it is you're out there. You know, I had a friend of mine doing it. It was my girlfriend's brother. We we did it together. My girlfriend was in my crew and his wife was in his crew. So we had two tents right next to each other. We have actually had just one big tent. We kind of, you know, we did a lot of the training together and uh, ran a lot. Of, we did a good portion of the of the race together. But then you're also out there and then the, the pros come running by. So, you know, they'll help you. You help them whenever obstacles. Because some of the obstacles you're just, you're not going to get by yourself. Mm-hmm. You, you have to have help mm-hmm. uh, on getting up over some of these. Especially after you've been going for hours on end. Right. Uh, and then you're just physically spent. And so you, you got to, there's, there's some teamwork aspects involved, which is always fun and helpful. Uh, and it's, it's a good experience. There's a, it's a good community. Now that they, they, the place they have in Atlanta is we did the eight hour race that in the same spot. And it's just like the Georgia red clay. I mean, it is gross. That's, mm-hmm. I think I might've done was, one in that, uh, uh, just a regular tough mutter in that same location. Is it like a motocross track? No, it's somebody's farm. Okay. Um, I right. I think it's nearby. Uh, we had a oh, tough really? motor. We, we had a tough motor nearby there somewhere, and it was on this motocross track, and it was the red clay, and that stuff gets so slick. Man, it gets wet. so slick, and it's just so hard to move through. So I know this year the times uh, were a lot were down a good bit, the, or the distance was down a good bit for people. Yeah, and it was really really cold. I want to say it was like thirty two degrees the whole time. Yeah, or we did it. Yeah, that's one of the things that really didn't affect me as much as the cold is because I had done so much, you know, heat nice, the contrast there. I was kind of used to the cold. Mm-hmm. So the cold did not get me near as much as just the overall poundage of moving your body for that long. So how did you train for, for something like that? Did you uh, did you have any idea how far, you know, what a race you were training for? I mean, you're you're looking at something like that and you're going, okay, for 24 hours, how many miles could that possibly be? So how were you training for that? Were you training for more than get, 55 get, miles? No, I wanted to get 50 miles, but my training was a lot of, I, I incorporated a lot of CrossFit workouts. I really did not run that much comparatively. Like I'm kind of the type that I don't need to, I don't want to run hundreds of miles a week because my, I know my body's going to break down doing that where I can do a lot of CrossFit workouts, get a lot of capacity built doing that. But I would incorporate the pool training from XBT. I did that once a week, all summer long. Uh, and that helps, you know, helps you build an aerobic capacity without doing any damage to your joints and mm. very minimal impact. Then I would have one day where I ran long. And so, you know, Anywhere from two to four out, two to five hours, really. I think probably at the very end, mm-hmm. I was out here running, you know, and it, and I would just run the trails around in at our parks around Memphis and some of the places elevation. 
So doing a lot, you know, that was kind of just walking, not walking really, but really slow runs on some of them. And then a lot of grip intensive training too. A lot of, you know, we have a this thing here called River Fit and it's down by the river. Got a bunch of uh, stairs and hills, but there's stations with monkey bars and things like that. So we would go down there on Saturday mornings and, you know, do like seven miles on that and then get, you know, get as many, you know, rounds on the monkey bars as we can do just constantly hanging from the bar hanging from rings after workout i think mm-hmm. after about every workout i did i would hang for a couple minutes yeah or i'll I'd, tell you what you know, man, grab, I, grab I, the top of dumbbells and walk and hold dumbbells just a lot a lot of grip work my experience with uh, that on that tough mother that i did which wasn't a 24 hour one it was just a regular one um but i think it was like 12 13 miles and yeah but those we, are hard we too. trained just like you're talking about with lots of grip work and we were planning on doing all this stuff. And then we get there and you get that red mud on your hands and then you're wet and dude, (laughs) I don't think it matters how strong you are. Like you're going up there and grabbing like one of those, one of those bare metal rings that they have or the bare metal bars. And it's like, you might as well have oil on your hands. It makes it pretty difficult. It's like, whoop, done better you, you yeah. just start work start going on your on your penalty lap i'm sure because there's just no chance some of those oh yeah I mean, that stuff is so slippery it's difficult that's for sure yeah yeah i did a lot of track workouts too i always like incorporating that like so speed. that's so that's would, another thing with the with the track workouts are you are you following what what's your um what's your feeling on the aerobic capacity so that's what i did a lot of the aerobic capacity type workouts mm-hmm. uh, and i like them a lot I haven't done them in a while. So um, where did you where did you attend that that class? I did that at, at uh, in Cookville, okay. at CrossFit yeah. Mayhem. Yeah, and that was a good class. And there, you know, a lot on uh, manipulating your rest periods and kind of learning your own cadence and speeds, and uh, you know, running out for fifteen seconds and then having to run back in and basically trying to land on the same spot where you started. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of stuff like that, which is interesting and in figuring out your own, your own pacing, a lot about figuring out your own pacing. And I thought it was, uh, it was a great, uh, course that I would suggest anybody. Have it's you, a have course, you gotten, cost a lot. have you gotten much faster by, by using those workouts? Well, I did I actually did the course after I'd done all the training and then I had, I, it helped me a lot when I was training. I think I got a lot faster mm-hmm. doing, doing them. Now I kind of hurt my back over the summer. So I hadn't run as much. Running's about one of the only things. So my running at the moment is is probably one of the slowest it's been in a while. I can do everything faster, the, the skier and the the rower than I used to be able to. But my running is probably slowest. But I would say you know it helped me a lot mm-hmm. doing yeah. using his workouts. I've been uh, we've been incorporating that, or we were for a while before we had a, I had an injury too. I've, have a chronic calf injury that uh, Ah. just keeps coming back. And when it, when it happens, uh, it's not like you can tough it out and move through it. I mean, you can't even, I I can't even really walk very well when it happens. And it usually happens very unexpectedly. And I don't know, it's been one of the most frustrating training injuries that I've ever had because I never know when it's coming. And I usually start feeling really good about my running and then pow, you know, and then I'm out for a week and then I can slowly start running again. And then, but anyway, we were doing, we were doing those Chris Henshaw 
aerobic capacity workouts every week for quite a while where you, he, he calls for running a mile and then running a 400 and then you determine the, the difference there yeah. and you set up your whole your- program based upon those two times. And he is, he is really an interesting guy. And that, that training is incredibly effective, but also and it's quite not contrary. A lot. Yeah. But don't you think it's kind of like for me anyway, a lot of it was contrary and his, like to what, you know, conventional thinking or whatever, if you want to run fast, you know, in the race, you need to run fast in training. And a lot of the yeah. times he's like, eh, no, you need to run exactly this fast. And then you need to rest yeah. exactly this long, exactly this much yeah, right. that's how based he is. upon, based upon your, you know, like he's got those benchmark times of a mile and, and 400. And then, then based upon that, he sets up this whole program and then you yeah, come which, back. Which and, one you want to improve on right. and figuring out uh, there's a certain ratio of uh, how you're supposed to drop. I can't remember exactly what it is, but I think it was supposed to be like 7%, but they found that nobody was really at the 7% that it's yeah. more like 10 to 15 or something. I can't remember. The whole thing that he's doing is but, I find fascinating because he's working with, you know, regular athletes. And then he's working with some of the greatest athletes that have ever been yeah. on the, the earth, like a rich Froning and uh, Jason Kalipa and Matt Frazier, three CrossFit games athletes that have benefited greatly from what he's doing. And, you know, I heard this one interview with him and he was like, I was going to go work with rich and, and I didn't know, like it was, he was really nervous. Cause he's like, yeah. I mean, I could make I him worse. Him <laughs> <laughs> like, I could make him worse than, and, uh, you know, in CrossFit is a sport that, a co- uh, you know, it, it demands that you're good at so many different things. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of the things that I like about it so much is that, uh, it's, it's very similar to fishing, you know, being a professional fisherman of, you know, you've got to be able to catch all these different fish. You've got to be able to, to do it under all these different weather conditions. So if you put too much time and effort into one, the others start to suffer. And it's the same thing with CrossFit. Like if you're, if you're weak at weightlifting and you're good at everything else and you spend all of your time on weightlifting, well, you're going to come back and you're going to find that you were good at everything else, but now that has suffered. And so that's one of the most challenging things about it is that you have all of these different things that you have to be pretty good at, or at least competent. And, and then when you start to place your focus on one of your weaknesses, you realize, Oh boy, now I have two weaknesses because I have neglected this over here for a while. Now I don't have that skill anymore. Or these are, you know, these double unders are more difficult than they used to be, or I'm not as fast at this, or I'm not as strong or, of lost mobility or any of these things. And so when Henshaw was talking about that experience with, with Rich Froning, it was like, I could make him worse. And so he's really nervous about that. But what he found was that he didn't make him worse, that through his training, he got better than ever. And other things besides, you know, that people think are not connected to running got better like his Olympic weightlifting. He got stronger. And he was like, he was explaining, he's like, you take an athlete like that, like a Rich Froning or a Jason Kalipa or Matt Frazier, there is no problem with motivation. There is no problem with getting 
more in. These people will go until, I mean, that's not the problem. The problem comes in, in purging the lactic acid and getting waste products out of the body fast, super fast. And that's what he seems to have, have been able to do, make them more efficient by, by giving them a larger drain to get everything out rather than put more in, you know, like intensity and hard work. That's not the problem. That's not what those guys are lacking. It's, that's right. It's the ability to purge that lactic acid and, and, um, and, and keep going and stay at a, at a, at a high intensity over a longer period of time by getting rid of the lactic acid and, and his training, man, it's, I don't know. There's a lot of things that are kind of contrary to it that, you know, you're thinking, really, that's what's going to make me better or make anybody better. But man, he's, he's been, uh, had his stuff put to the test. I'm very impressed with yeah, what he does. It, it's, it's great stuff. I enjoy it. And he's, uh, the other good thing about his seminars, he's an incredible storyteller. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you get, you get a lot of those stories about, uh, guys like Froning and, Kalipa and, and everything, so it's uh, it's good to hear all those stories. Yeah. And then, you know, doing it, doing it in Cookville, they they come out and work out with you too. For yeah, Brony came and worked, did a workout with us. It was a lot of fun. That's cool, man. I got to spend a little bit of time with him a a, a while back um, when we were doing another show called Fitness Truth, and and uh, he was on it a number of times. But he's a remarkable, nice. remarkable dude, and uh, has certainly a remarkable athlete, and he has remained a very humble and very likable person. You know, he's, yeah. a good, he's a good person, I think. Anyway, well, man, I appreciate you um, spending this time with us and, and letting us learn a, lo- a lot more about all the breath work and God, all the stuff you've got going on. If people wanted to follow what you're doing, read more about what you're doing, maybe attend one of your classes, yeah. what would they do? My uh, website is symmetry.com. L-I-V-E dot live. And uh, I'm on Instagram at at symmetry dot live and at T-S-O-M-E-R-V. Okay. And that's usually that's the best way to find me and uh, put out you know, schedules, events, what I'm doing. Not sure when this will be out, but I'll do I'm doing a XVT, full XVT workshop down on uh, 30A in Florida, uh, Rosemary Beach area right before Christmas, December 22nd. Really? A lot lot of stuff around Memphis right now. Is, uh, when you do one of those XPT things down there, do you have any of the other instructors come in? So it'll be, there's a a coach that lives down there, Uh um, named Sean Miller. He's on 30A. And so I'm, I'll be down in that area for Christmas. So I got some family living down there. So I'm going to bring sauna and he's got to set up a, pool so we'll do you know breath work heat nice pool workout kind of wow whole, whole nine yards man there's a lot yeah, of people yeah be, be a four or five hour event on saturday saturday at eight in the morning and then the end a little afternoon probably oh that'll be that'll be great i know that i know a lot of people that listen to this are frequent that area one way or another okay that's great yeah man that's uh that's awesome well i hope that uh that you and i can get together and train at one time yeah definitely sometime in the future and uh listen man until then just keep spreading the word and uh thanks really really impressed with what you're doing and certainly have always been impressed with laird hamilton and 
and Gabby Reese, they are seem to be they're uh, great. really on it and know what they're know what they're, they're doing. T- but yeah, they're they're great people and great coaches. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Taylor, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And Thank if you, you guys are interested, look him up. All right. See you. Talk to you later. Thank you to Taylor. Thank you to Waypoint TV for helping us to bring you this episode. And thanks to you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for sending me those emails at podcast at saltwaterexperience.com. I get them. I read them. And I do everything I can to respond to you. We've gotten some really incredible ones. Also, some awesome reviews on iTunes lately. Thank you for that. And if you do have a second, stop by iTunes and drop us a rating or review. That really helps. So anyway, until next week, I'll see you out there.